We're talking about this on a podcast as two allegedly young people, although I feel about 85 today, (laughs) comfortable putting this in order and telling people and not going, oh, no, we're, we're not we're not allowed to. We're not allowed to. It can't go out into the twerts. It can't go out into the internets. We must hide under a stone. We must fear the sunlight. We must curse the rain as it ruins our cave. Bollocks. Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo, and I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University. James, we've got our very first uh, listener audio question. Why don't I get to this introduce is... the show? Who knows what you're going to do, James? You, you've done that. And we've got we've, we've gotten criticised for this once. What on one of our yeah one of our iTunes ratings Did, didn't didn't care for your uh, didn't care for your introduction. But we we collect bad iTunes rating like like little kids collect baseball cards. <laughs> Unprofessional, uninformed. Unprofessional and uninformed. Yeah. Uh, an- announcing <laughs> Hertz shirts coming to an outlet near you. Unprofessional and, not, and uninformed. And we're not, we're not <laughs> that, that's going to happen. Mugs, mugs, caps, bags, the, the whole thing. We have our Dan's our actually question. getting a, a one-off pair of underwear with unprofessional and uninformed. Not informed. The <laughs> we're, we're, we're two minutes in. We're already going with the dick jokes. But this is usually a forty-five minute. We're anyway. one minute. We're one minute and twelve seconds in, Daniel. To to be precise. Yeah. Question. Well, we have a question from. Uh, this, this is from from friend of the show, uh, Aaron Williams, who is at Aaron Will on Twitter, and she's a reproductive biologist at the University of Edinburgh, who uh, also created uh, Repro Rocks, which is a Twitter account for those working in uh, reproduction to share their work through Twitter. And uh, she's also the co-founder of Feed, which is a super interesting organization that provides uh, science-based infant feeding information for families Whoa. where they feed their families via bottles, boobs, or tubes. And as a new parent- I think this kind of stuff is incredibly important because there's a lot of garbage out there. You wouldn't believe uh, these these parenting forums, James. A Unbelievable. parenting forum. Can you give me an example? Parent- well, it's you know, you, you, someone makes a suggestion on, oh, I, I found this was a good way to, to feed my three-month-old and someone else is like, you are the devil. And they go on massive diatribes about, to- <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. People have very extremely strong beliefs, beliefs um, about how they should um, raise their kids, which is fine. Um, but quite often, these things simply aren't evidence-based. And I, pr- I appreciate people's personal opinions and anecdotes, but- I don't. Really, when I come- t- <laughs> Look, but when it comes to this stuff, you want evidence-based um, research, and um, this was something which was hard to come by. You and also I wish I probably was- want to dick with the process till it works. I mean, children can be quite idiosyncratic, can't they? That's true, which is which is why it's important. As long to, as you as long as you're putting the food in the right hole and things, I mean, it's- you 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 think you think it'd be that easy, but it's it's not that easy. Anyway, Erin uh, has uh, she we we recently put a competition out there um, because uh, Hertz is, is three years old. Can, can you believe it, James? Three years old. So we had a competition yes. on Twitter. It's it's amazing. So we had a competition on Twitter to uh, send in a photo of you looking the most uh, most like a three-year-old. And Erin um, was the winner because she actually sent a photo in of her looking like a three-year-old next to her three-year-old. Uh, and the prize oh, was going to be- Oh, met um, a three-year-old. 
Yes, I do remember now. That was uh, that was an excellent, but I mean, unfortunately, that is three squared, so it's nine-year-old. Um, <laughs> question <laughs> question over, but- competition cancelled. Oh, no, wait, hang on, we'll do it anyway. <laughs> What are we doing? We're still we're still going to do it. But uh, the thing is, uh, I was going to send the the, the winner uh, bonus uh, bonus episodes, which normally our, our Patreon Professor Fancy Pants uh, patrons get. Um, but uh, she's already a Professor Fancy Pants patron, so we had to do something different. And I reached out to her and said, "Hey, uh, if you send in an audio question, we are going to play it on the show." So here is Erin's question. Hi, boys. I love the podcast and I love hearing the ideas that you share to increase transparency and robustness in science, if that's even a word. But my worry is we're already past the point of no return. I mean, when you think about the sheer amount of crappy science and in some cases even fraudulent science that's already published, it's quite staggering and it's difficult to counter, especially when in a lot of cases it's already reached the public understanding on specific topics. When you add to that the culture of overwork in the academy, as well as the recent visibility of bullying and harassment that we're seeing, it just adds up. So my question to you both is, is academia too broken to fix? You don't fuck around, do you, Aaron? Um... She has such a well-modulated voice. Oh, dear. Um, This is why audio questions are great. It's it's just uh, incredibly well-balanced. It's obviously not from Glasgow, as you didn't threaten me once. Um, But that's a... There's a a lot of meat on them bones right there. That is... uh, that has about five constituent parts. Is academia too broken to fix? Daniel, of course, uh, being the nasty little co-host that he is, um, did not allow me to previously listen to this question, which I am now encountering for the first time. Something that he likes to do to make sure that I'm maximally confused and humiliated, as if I don't <laughs> waste enough time already with diatribes and asides. Why don't you go first, Daniel, and then I'll correct you 20 seconds in when you're wrong. (laughs) Well, like you said, I think this is pretty multifaceted and academia is is, is a broad church. Um, Look, I think when it comes to the hardest thing about fixing academia is the prestige. Uh, When it comes to individual prestige and journal prestige, uh, the the reason that we have these prestige markers is simply a, a lack of resources. To, to carefully look at the at each paper on its merits, which is why we always tend to lean on these magic numbers to do the work for us. So, I'm finding it really hard to see how we are going to get past this because people might suggest, well, well let's have a new way of actually measuring performance of, uh, of a paper. Things are going to get gamed no matter what we do when essentially what we really need is people carefully looking at papers. But I think that's not going to happen. I can't see how it's going to happen. But in other areas of academia, I do see hope. Reforms are happening, but they're happening very slowly. And I think that technology is eventually going to solve a lot of the problems that we have. Like if you look at the history of open science, this stuff has been has been spoken about since the 70s, but only now are, we, are things really kicking off, um, for instance, with open science framework, etc. And I think there's a lot of momentum at the moment as well. If you look at the, uh, the adoption of registered reports, for instance, 
um, what started out about sort of five, six, seven years ago with registered reports at uh, at Cortex, uh, spearheaded by uh, a former guest, uh, Chris Chambers. Now we've got about 150 journals who have taken up registered reports. So uh, I, th- I think I think there's hope. Um, but when it comes to technology, if technology is going to do this, I reckon it's super important that it's actually in the hands of academics um, and nonprofits, not for not not for profit organisations, because I think this uh, this stuff is just uh, too important to to, to to mess up. But look, certain parts of academia, um, I reckon we can fix. Other parts is going to be a, an uphill slog. James, there's been a lot of discussion, primarily in the last probably eight or nine years, we can we can cap the front, especially within the social and medical sciences, of how many things are bad. This discussion in and of itself is the exact opposite of a reason to despair. It is an extremely good, valuable, interesting thing. The reasoning on that is really fucking simple. These are structural problems that have always been there. We are not talking about something that we just invented. We didn't just push something off the rails. We didn't just ruin everything. We have not suddenly acquired from an alternate reality elements of a broken culture. Structural problems take a very, very long time to establish. People are now looking at and very widely discussing the problems that are broadly being addressed by questions within open culture in particular, in science. Um, I'm thinking of a few tweets I've seen in the last little while, for instance. Um, Hans Isink's work, I think from about circa 1970, 1980, about how personality causes cancer, for Mm. instance. This was, and will always be, shite. We did not just invent shite in the (laughs) web-capable academia 2.0 world. The history of science is full of skullduggery and bullshit and liars and boosters and weirdos. Yeah? Mm. Now, even the discussion reaching critical mass is an achievement. So, we're talking about now we have a realistic perspective on what we can very strongly presume has always been there, should we shit ourselves? Is it all incredibly terrible? Well, this is a little... I I hesitate to... I I have a a, a mixed view on some of the, the bits and pieces from the Steven Pinker universe, but I'm immediately thinking of the premise of his book, the recent one, which is basically, hey, if you actually look at the numbers, maybe we're not all dying of pleurisy, being kicked to death in a ditch and set on fire at birth. Right? Changes of a bit of nature. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever it's called. I, I, I haven't read it. Um, but the, the, the fact that this isn't happening in the first place, um, th- that narrative versus the continual media narrative of kind of, yeah, well, if it, if it bleeds, it leads. Yes? I was writing something recently, and um, I, this, is, this is not very nice, but I guess I'm not known for writing particularly nice things. Um, People, people drive trucks 
overloaded, banging speedballs and raw whiskey across the continent every single day. They ignore traffic laws, they run down deer, um, they rip the pavement up, but it's just a thing. Thousands and thousands and thousands of heavy vehicles cross the country, uh, driven, driven by drugged up lunatics daily. Yeah? You will hear about it on the news when one of them drives into a primary school with a load of white phosphorus. Yeah? You will not hear about the fact that a million billion people in very unsafe circumstances somehow managed to do it safely. So, I think we are in a position where all of this stuff being revealed gives it the veneer of hopelessness. You end up throwing your hands up and saying, what's the point? Do not confuse the forest for the trees. Right? Honestly, I do like every time. Every time someone says, uh, "Oh, this particular method of analysis in this area, this is shite. This person has done uh, a, a great big pile of work, and the work doesn't make the slightest bit of sense, and I can prove it with numbers and R and a note from my mum." Right? Every time that happens, we are making progress because you are making an environment where criticism is possible. And where arguments like this are not being propagated by some dork in a back room in an office full of papers, yeah, sitting sitting in a in a horde of filing cabinets like a paper smaug, making abs- <laughs> making abstract arguments that no one ever talked about. There was an excellent example of this that happened a day or two ago on Twitter, where somebody submitted a letter to the editor um, to a fancy psychiatry journal um, critiquing a paper. The letter to the editor was rejected, yet a response to the letter that was rejected ended up being published. Yeah, uh, I believe her name is, I please forgive me, I have absolutely no idea if it's Haim or Jamie. I believe they're spelled yes. the same way. Um, her well, surname is Deringer, making it quite possibly one of the most badass names in all of academia. I mean, that sounds will, like someone we'll with a leather duster and a shotgun. That is an awesome name. I am supremely jealous of it. Um, and the situation that uh, she's been put in with that is obviously ridiculous. I did point this out. Um, I did point this out myself. Like the idea, hey, you've sent us a letter. Oh no, it's not it's not a meaningful contribution and it's beneath contempt. However, <laughs> an attempt to refute the entire thing is in fact meaningful. Now, if this is an editorial fuck up, fine. But if this is a series of conscious decisions that have been made in order, ah, uh, come on. Right? I, now, I would, what's what's yeah. different? This is a this is a great example. What's different about right now? The difference is right now is that we are arguing about it on Twitter and people are reading about it and people are saying that is bullshit. And th- Dan, we're talking about this on a podcast as two allegedly young people, although I feel about 85 today. <laughs> comfortable putting this in order and telling people and not going, "Oh no, we we're, we're not we're not allowed to." We're not allowed to. It can't go out into the twerts. It can't go out into the internets. We must hide under a stone. We must fear the sunlight. We must curse the rain as it ruins our cave. Bollocks. This kind of collective expunging of things that we don't... This goes for harassment as well. There's so many fucking harassment stories recently. What is wrong with people? 
Yeah. I mean, when you don't experience this yourself, you have an intellectual idea. I mean, I, I always found the idea of, I mean, Dan, you've, you've met me. What am I like up close? Can you, can you realistically see an environment where someone would be harassing me? Harassing? No, not you. Yeah. So you have to, you have the first thing you, when you hear about that and you have an honest response to it, the first thing you think is, fuck, I need to learn a whole lot more about this because this is not, this is not something that I'm familiar with. This is from, this is, this is from a different world to, to mine. This is a, this is something that I really need to understand because this is, is real and it is happening. And I need to kind of like get inside this mm. and and read about it and pay attention and give a shit. Yes? And why is that happening? Have you seen have you it seen that blog? Have you it. seen that Me Too STEM blog? No. Okay. Maybe. This is uh, this is definitely going in the show notes. And even those of you who answered that poll the other day saying I don't read the show notes, go and read this fucking blog. Yes? <laughs> this is very, very valuable perspective on how not to be a shithead, just how bad things can get out there, why people need your support when it comes to issues like that, and the context of what you're working against. Do you know what I mean? Mm. This and that is that is a new thing, right? Is everything going to get cleaned up and get an instant overnight? You know, are we going to we're going to click our fingers and make it go away? No, no, because I mean, you can't you can't kill all the nasty old man. This isn't Logan's Run, <laughs> right? But it is now. Do, do you think? I, let me let me oh, let me let me put it this way. Do you think sexual harassment was better or worse in the nineteen sixties? Worse in the sixties. Yeah, of course. Right? You read any yeah. like this is a madman era bullshit, and these these miserable entitled fucks walking around like dressed dressed up perpetually like they're going to a wedding and pissed out of their mind twenty four seven. Everyone knows there's appropriate times for drinking. I will tell you when they are. Jesus Christ. Anyway. <laughs> so do you think do you think this conversation was possible? No. It was rele- it was relegated no to chance. a category a category of women that people created as kind of the like shifty harridans and troublemakers. This is a fucking deeply unfair characterization. But what's happening what's happening now? I the 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 fucking difficult to harass lumpy looking fella and talking about this on a podcast and telling you that it's important and no one's going to go oh well we we don't have to take him seriously or ah all of them all of them are full of shit and none of that happened or it's not important or don't talk about it to start with yes the genies are getting out of the bottle now what the genies have to say will occasionally piss everyone off occasionally they will be deeply disappointing but they don't represent some kind of break with the past. They are a reckoning. And this is especially true when it comes to really serious errors. You always knew I was going to go there. But it was part of the question, so in my defense, up yours, Daniel. So, the idea that you can do error detection in the first place, the idea that you know you know me, yes? I can code somewhat. I am an okay mathematician. I only occasionally right. I occasionally wrote equations on the, the window. 
right? Not every, yeah, not right. every day, but you know, it was, it was, it was struggled Weekly. through. Okay, yeah. so it was, it was something that needed, it was something that needed a, a, a kind of reckoning, and I would, I would try. Yes, the idea that me, from a sense of sort of curiosity, would start doing error detection and trying to make it a thing means that no one else has really presupposed this as a kind of a long ongoing effort. No disrespect to anyone who tried to do it previously. What I'm saying is the environment is different now. If me and my moderately unshit mathematical abilities at best is the first person to presuppose doing this, yeah, all this all this all this crazy bullshit comes out. Yes? We find all these mistakes. Some of them are really concerning. Yeah? Have they always been there? Yes, they have. It's that now someone has considered it appropriate and not career destructive or an act of purest personal lunacy to look at it in the first place. So, look, I get the, I get the kind of despair there to a great a, a, a degree. There's a lot of there's a lot of terrible things to reckon with and it's coming on top of an environment that's very difficult to navigate and a career that's very difficult to have and if you've got a soft money job it all kind of goes double because you're continually thinking about like when will circumstances give me the sack and take away the thing i've spent 14 years training to do i get that believe me i really do understand that but it's so much better than the alternative and I'm sure in some sense that it creates opportunities as well. Do you think it was imagined 10 years ago there'd be as many people working in meta science as there are now? No chance. Was it even a thing? Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Even- I, I don't know how well it was defined, but there's certainly there were certainly there were lots of – I mean, you could consider – um, you could consider some of the the, the, the Cohen's stuff from uh, before the 60s. I mean, what did he do? He went through psych journals and looked at the effects of all the, the, the p-values and what direction that they went. Yeah, Aggre- yeah, aggregated point, up all the effect sizes and, and tried to make determinations whether or not things were correctly powered in the first instance. Yeah, okay. I'd, I'd, that, that, even if the name wasn't there, the intent and the techniques and the simplicity of being able to say, hey, look, great big fucking problem. Right in the middle of that, that was certainly there, but and th- th- these things are only possible thanks to preprints, thanks to social media, uh, because there's no more gatekeepers. There's no gatekeepers saying, "I'm sorry, your your letter isn't an important is not an important contribution to the literature." It doesn't matter. Um, Jamie, uh, uh, hopefully we we got her name correct, posted this on BioArchive, so the whole world can actually read it. Yeah, because uh, because otherwise this this wouldn't actually have happened. Yeah. It, it's 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 a complete it's a completely completely new world uh, where um, it's it's oh man like there are just so many opportunities but one thing which Aaron touched on was this whole idea of the public perception of science and I think this is a little bit of a tougher uh, a tougher nut to crack uh, I mean obviously the first thing that comes to mind or at least to me is the the, the Wakefield retraction science did its job it retracted eventually. Uh, Eventually, did its job. It retracted the paper, but the damage was done, at least at least for the public. Um, and this is this is going to be really hard to change. Like I know for me, like there's a few people in in my orbit who have some pretty wacky ideas when it comes to to medicine and nutrition. 
And it's taken a few years, but then over time, I've been able to explain, well, there's a difference between peer-reviewed research and some bloke's opinion on a blog or, or s- some book. And now they understand, okay, cool. This is great. Now, now we can actually understand this, this dichotomy between peer-reviewed and non-peer-reviewed peer-reviewed research. But the world has moved on. And since then, we now have these predatory journals. So, how are, we, how are we actually able to explain to people, well, you know, there are kind of these journals that are good, but then other ones that are not so good. Like, do we give them like a bootlegged version of, of Beale's list? There's, there's just no way of actually doing this. So, everything's been all muddled up when it comes to the public perception. And I don't know how we're going to do that. Well, so within, the, so nice, within- the nice part, Daniel, is that in the increased ability to leverage the kind of access that you need to put something in a fake journal and get it into the public eye, if that becomes sufficiently popular, scientists will descend like hordes of sewer rats to rip the ass out of it. Yeah, scientists will, and the only people, the only people who are going to read it are other scientists. The damage no, is done. No, not the only people. You just spent the, you just you've just spent several minutes describing how how access is broader. People in science communication and journalists who are not complete fucking simpletons will push back. Yeah, but the public aren't going to hear about it. Well, not the, at, the pushback that not is at the, not at the time. But you could say yeah. exactly the same thing about any other field of human endeavor. Yeah, there's there's going to be a yeah. there's going to be a fire festival fucking everywhere. <laughs> yeah, some fancy narrative that sounds good and gets out the front of them. This happens in the supplement industry all the time. Someone has a great idea, it turns out they're adulterating their weight loss drugs with actual methamphetamine. Eventually, the FDA pulls up, they stop selling it, they start selling something else. Yeah, this happens with insurance scams, and um. The people, people who who write uh, from the computer at the back table of the Nigerian royal palace, asking for your, <laughs> your, your fucking money. There's 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 disconnects in information accuracy in really serious ways, all the all the fucking time. There's lots of boosters and grifters, and all you really have is a critical mass of trying to push back against those boundaries and is is that look a serious effort to do that in a predatory journal is more detectable than someone ginning up their research putting it in a fancy journal where the research is total dog shit turning it into a popular book and then smiling a lot and selling it to people which one's harder to push back against if it's the international look, I- journal of science and nature dan science and nature science and nature yeah. cell <laughs> yeah, if it's the world, the world international journal of science, nature, and cell. <laughs> wow, that's that's Step back. Yeah, that's very prestige. Um, if if it's if it's that, I mean, it's 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 written on it. You don't have to go pulling the regression <laughs> apart to try and figure out how it works, or, or finding or finding out how they did some kind of uh, abstract dichotomization to make their result get out the way they wanted. Right. I mean, that's the, the 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 bullshit is on full display. Yeah, it's going to get out. But look, it's it's, I mean, it's also going into part of a corrective process over time, especially when it comes to fucking healthcare information. My boy Gideon had a very good uh, tweet series. I mean, he runs on a bit and he's deeply ugly, but uh, he had a very interesting tweet. Is that Aussie bloke, Gid MK? Yeah. So, yeah, there, there were two. Great. There were two studies published next to each other in consecutive days, and one was an eggs a good study, and one was an eggs a bad study. And I was like, how do you process this shit in context? I mean, it's already, and people are like, oh, scientists are doing a poor job of communicating it. No, it's a fucking hard thing to communicate when you're talking yeah. about. Okay, well, what's the meaning of an egg in a general American population versus Chinese older adults? You're not talking about eggs anymore. <laughs> you're talking about eggs as kind of a societal signifier. 
Yeah. Yeah? So, oh, scientists are doing a terrible job. Yeah, they can do a better one. I'll tell you, they're doing a fucking damn sight better now than they were previously. No, well, no scientist focus. really sees themselves as handing down diktats from on high anymore. And if, <laughs> if they do, they can fuck off to the ocean. Let me put it this way. In, in the context of Pinker's idea, I haven't actually read the book, but the, the, the general thesis of the book is things aren't that bad. Uh, to put it this way, I, I'm not saying- I'm not acknowledging that people aren't having a bad time. There are certainly people who are having a bad time. But if, if you put it this way, if you randomly had to be transported into any time, any year, any decade of human life, that decade would be now. If it was completely random where you, where you would pop up, uh, what sort of socioeconomic strata you would be in, you would pick now. And when it comes to science- Well, you're, you're, best- you're, you're saying that because you live in the Norways. Yeah, but- Okay. Um, but if, 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 if this was going to be completely random- a, a globally. Oh, right. Now, Stuck back into still- the global pool of whatever at any point yeah, in so time if, if it was in human completely- history. Right. It would be right now. So, you could be exactly living in a monastery in Ireland in uh, 800 AD. You could that be would in, be nice. You could be in- No, it wouldn't. The Vikings but would turn up and cut your dick <laughs> off. Um, my my, so- my wife's ancestors would- uh, <laughs> But that's the thing. If there could be any time in, in, in history to live randomly, it would be right now. Exactly the same thing with science. If there was any time to be doing science, forget about technological advances- or the sort of stuff that we can do with science, but any time that we could do science as the enterprise, it would be right now. Mm. I mean, part of me is tempted to- Look, part of me takes your point. Part of me is tempted to pick an era where it was easier to get a job. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 19, in that context, yeah. No, 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 I'll pay that. 1955. You, you, you just turned up with one paper and you're like- if you, <laughs> A paper? Hira, she's she's great. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, are, I hope does changed. that does that adequately cover the question, Daniel? I, I I think it does. Thank you very much, Aaron, for sending in your your audio question, and um, uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with uh, with another listener question. One question we often get from listeners is how they can support the show, and we have two ways. The first is financially via Patreon, and uh, we have two support tiers. The first one is a dollar a month, and with that, you get the Everything Hurts newsletter, access to behind-the-scenes photos and videos, and that warm feeling that you are supporting the show. Uh, If you join our $5 Professor Fancy Pants tier, you get access to all those things, and in addition to that, uh, an exclusive mini episode, which is released every single month. Our last episode was on ResearchGate, and that was quite popular. So, if you sign up, you get access to all the bonus episodes moving forward, but also the back catalogue of bonus episodes. The second way you can, you can support the show is via social media. We would love it if you could post about the show on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Snapchat, whatever platform you are using. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Everything Hurts. Uh, today for this episode, we are answering listener questions. Our first one was an audio question and uh, this one was a question it's that was- extremely uh, James. good audio question. A v- very good question. T- take us away with this, uh, this uh, question, James. Okay. Hi, James. 
I have a podcast-worthy question, perhaps, for you and that hairy little trollop you record the podcast with. It's <laughs> oh, the potty mouth. Rude. So, just, I mean, needlessly aggressive. <laughs> um, this is superb. Here we go. How does your face-to-face world respond to your public critiques and commentary on your academic world? Social media can be the great equalizer, and we who have larger followings can sometimes hold more power in this universe than we do in our own institutions. Good point. For example, I recently got reamed out in person by a full professor type for casually stating that my paper would sit at a journal for two months. Obviously, there's a story there. But that perception that we may be too junior to be making certain commentary about certain things is pretty real. Does that exist in your discipline and have you faced it? Have you ever worried that someone might say, I'd never hire those dudes because of what you say? Good question. They they have requested their identity to be redacted and I have redacted it forthwith. Have you ever worried about that, James? No. Have you? Never. That that's never crossed my mind. Okay. Well, that was Is- easy. Um, thank you so much for. <laughs> the- <laughs> Honestly, maybe I'm a bit naive, but is what we're saying that? Controversial that someone might get to the point going, I would never hire those dudes. No. Maybe I'm. Okay, I have probably thought about this a little bit more than you, but I guess it's because I find it kind of interesting in the abstract. It's not something that concerns me. I'll tell you why. There, I came up with the, I came up with the very strong opinion years ago that the idea that there's a cabal of people out there planning against you in a lot of contexts, I mean, it obviously it can happen. But in the general sense, the idea that there's a cabal of people like swapping, swap, wearing, wearing robes, swapping names on an altar at midnight and <laughs> carrying on and, 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 and jerking off the wildlife, like, like eyes wide shut kind of style, who are trying to, who are trying to shut you out of something like that. I have come to the conclusion that this is much less common than, than people think it is. Not saying it's not possible. I'm saying that I think my my opinion formed over a long period of time is that the fear of that is overblown okay the other thing is i mean it reminds me of a hank williams song not everybody likes us but we drive some folks wild i mean if you're going to i don't know who we drive wild maybe we drive drive into a vague sense of appreciation we'll probably be, let, let, but, but that doesn't that doesn't this. fit into the country song very well does it let me ask you this question related to that. Since we've started the podcast, roughly how many invitations to talks or papers or conversations have you had that you could directly attribute to the podcast? Um, Not that many. Like that, that has happened to me a lot. But one of the reasons that, I mean, after after talking about Twitter as a- basically a sewage treatment pond full of gabbling morons for years and years. Um, the one thing that kind of cemented my ongoing ability to navigate it was the fact that that has happened to me a lot from Twitter and my blog. What has happened from 
what has happened from the podcast is I met a lot of fucking people. I met a lot of people who know what it is. It makes it easier to navigate social spaces. No one knows that people don't generally like get a big bunch of money and throw it at my head or ask me to speak anywhere. Um, maybe that is wise considering some of the things I have said even in the last half hour. It's sensible decision world. <laughs> um, I know that's happened. I know that's happened to you to some degree. But the thing that's happened to me is that people know the thing, the identity. Mm. They know me. And I like meeting people, especially if there's beer. I am, <laughs> I am, I am very fond. I am very fond of this. People go, oh, you're that guy from that podcast. My reaction is never and will never be, oh, yeah, piss off. I, I want to- <laughs> It's always good I, meeting people. I, it is, and not for any other reason than it's nice to talk to them. Yeah. They don't want anything. They don't want anything. They just want to talk. They enjoy sharing the same kind of space. So that definitely has happened. Um, it makes conferences. I mean, I could be somewhat antisocial from time to time, depending on how many people are in the room or like what's been going on. And it does make conferences in particular a lot easier to navigate. It's not like I go to many. It's partially a time thing, partially a direct application thing. Um. Yeah, absolutely, it helps with that. But people ask you to get on your little socialist pony and uh, and 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 walk <laughs> around and speak and be a friendly, pleasant, and intelligent gentleman. I mean, they're obviously pissing up a rope when it comes to you, but they are at least asking. <laughs> they're asking. They're asking at least. Yeah. So that that's happened, and obviously conversations yeah. and, and opportunities. So so the the net benefit, of course, I will never know how many things I have not been invited to, or how many opportunities I have lost. That mm, never actually come my way. Good point. But regardless, I think the net benefit uh, completely outweighs any potential potential risk of I would never hire those people. I think you're you're more likely to never get hired because you might hold some sort of um, theoretical position. Oh, that person's a, a Bayesian to use a bad example. Um, that's that's more likely not to get you that sort of blanket. No, nah, I'm not going to talk to that person. Rather than a Oh, they've 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 said some things online. Unless unless you unless the thing is we don't we don't name names. Ah, uh, you almost never name names. So we're not we're not targeting any people. So I, I just don't see how this could be an issue. Um, but I do understand. I mean, I do well, work within medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then work 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 your way back to the the, the question. Right? You know, uh, if if you're if you're getting railed up for saying, I mean, I consider the sentence. Uh, my paper will probably sit at a journal for two months. Yes, it probably will. Neither, that is not offensive. That is a realistic position a on what will that's happen a, to a paper. That's that goes in. I got in trouble on Mondays. I've, we, we, we have grants right now. So, I have spent more time working on the grants than I otherwise would have. I've got a lot of other sideline shit going on a lot right now. Yeah. So, I got a narky email from an editor the other day. I'm the person right now until I, I get a chance to do this probably oh, either really late this evening or early tomorrow morning. I am the motherfucker who's making the two months. So, if someone said that to me, look, the, the, idea, of, the idea of don't open your mouth to say something that's very obviously patently true is not a how dare you be inaccurate question. It is a how dare you have an opinion question. Now, that- yeah. That changes between individual specialties, individual subspecialties, individual departments, etc. a lot. 
there are still a lot of hidebound people where they go, oh, no, you're too young to have an opinion, you young whippersnapper. If you know anyone like that, uh, steal their cane and uh, feed, the- feed their <laughs> seeing eye dog their cake until it can't walk. <laughs> At least the dog will be happy. It's definitely different from country to country. Uh, I know oh, yeah. In a lot of countries. For I- sure. I- a lot of countries that I go to, if a psychiatrist walks in the room, you know it's a psychiatrist. In Norway, you have no idea. Bloke, bloke, bloke walks in wearing shorts and runners, and it's like, yeah, this, this, this is, this is like the, the, the head of department. Like it's, it's so there's, there's just different, different hierarchies. Is in, he in wearing a shirt? It's just shorts and runners. Feels a little <laughs> bit OHS if you've got equipment. Dude, depends if it's twenty degrees. Twenty degrees is officially shirts off here in Norway, so you, you never know. Oh right, F- Fahrenheit. Yeah. <laughs> Celsius, mate. The the. Yes, uh, yeah, Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Uh, <laughs> I, I call, I call it a. I, I tell people here that F stands for fake, and they're only <laughs> they're only occasionally upset. And, and pe- people defend it all the time, which is puzzling. No, they can all they can they can fuck off. It's I mean, we have a metric system for a reason. We have standardization for a reason. Um, everyone knows my opinions on measurements. Right now, we will not relitigate this because there's a good ten minutes of screaming about that. Um. So look, obviously we are somewhat, somewhat. It's somewhat luck, uh, it's somewhat circumstance, but it's also somewhat by design. Yeah. When when I interviewed here, or I should say at my present job, um, and people asked me biosignal questions in the interview. Do you think I went? Oh no, everything's fine. Uh no, I told them exactly what I thought. I gave references because if they're going to argue with me about something like that, I I back me. I think you'll lose. And if you're the kind of person who'll go, oh, that's a very interesting uh, series of well-supported arguments, James, because it hurts my feelings, you can't work here. I don't want to work for you. Yeah, such a good point. Such a good point. Right. I mean, People, d- d- yeah. you, when you're inculcated into a culture that says like you've got to, you've got you like fit fit in, keep it quiet, don't do anything that might jeopardize the the chances, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Part of the the overarching structure that maintains that attitude is the fact that there's so little fucking work in the first place, in the professional scientific sense. I mean, some areas are better than others, but you look at the cross. Uh, I want to work primarily in research at a university or research teaching or something like that. How many jobs are there? Not that fucking many compared to the people who want them. Look, I heard mm. someone tell me about uh, the two degrees of separation, but I believe them. Uh, they had an open position at one of the places here, like Harvard assistant professors. Now, Harvard has a tendency to beat its assistant professors like borrowed donkeys. Yes, you don't have a lot of support. They expect you to come up with a lot of soft money. The requirements to keep everything together are very high. They are not. They do not have a reputation as being nice to their staff. Yes, fancy or otherwise. So that is not a job I would apply for. It's not a place that uh, that in the place where it was, which I won't say because that that will potentially hurt their feelings. Um, it's honestly not a job I'd apply for because I knew it would be it would suck, and then there's a, like a, a a coin flip chance you'd fall out of it anyway. It's something mm. you do for a while so you can kind of CV bump yourself somewhere else. Yes, it's a cynical kind of job offered cynically, and the amount of work that makes like all all my, you think I'm grey now. Holy shit on a stick! It'd be the end of you. Yeah, jobs like that have mm. 400 applicants. 400. So. 
I mean, a lot of them don't know the environment because they haven't lived and worked in Boston for ages and ages. But the the point being is there's this continual there's this continual mismatch between d- supply and demand, and it breeds caution. And occasionally, the caution translates into paranoia. And sometimes people think they're doing you a favor when they say, "No, watch that. Always be nice to them. Always be strategic about everything, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Now, there's wisdom to that in some sense. You do need to make decisions like that. But in another sense, it's a recipe for being fucking miserable. Mm. Feel me? I mean, yeah, sometimes you sometimes you don't have the option. Sure. Yeah? Look, you've got to you've got to work. Your your land your landlord's not going to take preprints. Right? No, sometimes you just got to you sometimes you just got to do a motherfucker. It's it, it's totally unavoidable. Welcome to modernity. Right? But you do know that a lot of those things are unideal and that you're in a very very crowded market. And it's if we have let it become like that, it is designed like that. And one of the things that it does is it maintains power structures. It does. Don't you give me that skeptical face. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for you to continue. This is good. Well, it, it, it maintains, it maintains power structures. I mean, you've got someone who's coming in. You're like, are they, are they going to choose you if you're a bit fire brandy? Um, yeah, maybe, maybe not. But the other thing is, like, what if you're right? What if you're useful? What if people find the things that you say to be appropriate? Mm. What if it makes sense? Or what if they'll just give you the space? to make the arguments that you've practiced and say what you actually think. That's the kind of place that you want to work. You don't well, want to work at a place. Do you know, do you know when, when people say write this op-ed or do this consulting, which a lot of the time happens on the back of uh, some version of yelling, like I said, blog or Twitter, when that happens, right, it's, it's off the back of something where it's not like, you know how, because there's lots of things, oh, everyone can get fucked. Oh, delete your account, this and that. Yeah, it's not that. It's mm-hmm. a, like 15 tweets in order about the nature of an idea or something, or it's 1,500 words of blog minimum. And people read that mm-hmm. and go, I like that idea. I like that argument. Come and tell us how that works or make that argument again for me somewhere else. Yeah. Right? I. But it's, it's something that I, I uh, a, a related point. Someone was rude to you the other day. You obviously put little videos of yourself. So you you made a little video for the Twitters because me, you, I, my impression of you, um, apart from the obvious, again, see last ninety episodes for reference, is that you really like talking to people. You really yes. like people to know what you think. You are really quite open. You rarely go, James, I don't have time for that. I go, wait, Dan, give us time. Pay attention to me. And you're like, let's let's do something. You're excited. You get excited to be involved in things. And when you're taking books out of a package and you want to show people as if that wasn't something that millions of people don't already watch on the YouTubes, when you do that, you're like, hey, look. Yes? And then when someone goes, oh, my God, Dan, you're such an attention. You know what I thought when someone's like, you're such an attention whore. What the hell is wrong with you? It's just like seeing your face everywhere. We're like, hey, have I, if I knew where you lived, I'd have words with you. Boy, howdy. <laughs> such, such a strange account. No, I think no, no, that, no, no, that, that account- Look, they don't. They don't. It doesn't matter. They don't. They don't matter. What I mean is if you, got, you continually put yourself out there, right, 
by by circumstance or accident or design. Yes? People will make a decision. A lot of the time, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. But if you think about like upsides and downsides, just from a purely mechanical perspective of it, people are going to see it. They're going to pay attention or care. I honestly think if you're not saying something that's totally worthless or being an utter waste of space, at some point in time, if you're minimally charming, more people will enjoy interacting with you than won't. And a lot of the people who won't are just going to ignore you. They're not going to get in and go, ah, look, I read your blog and it's really terrible. I've got a few remarks like that and I find them fucking hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> the, like the bad the bad blog comments I find them so funny because I know why I wrote it I know what it <laughs> says and if someone reads it and that's what they get from it it's fucking hilarious it, it, it might as well be asking me questions in a different language I don't know why you're so worked up about it I don't know why you're so pissed off and your opinion you, who, who hurt you some people are just so angry uh, it's, I mean, that it's it's more. I don't think some of them are deeply committed to it as much as it's a vague irritation and the kind of social distance thing like, gets into them. But mm. it's not even a matter of, like who has. It's it's not even a matter of who has time as much as like how can you go from how how is that your immediate motivation when that happens? I mean, you you need a therapist or a fucking lead aspirin. Some of you people, honestly. Um. That's an old expression, isn't it? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I'd love to find this blog post. It's, it's just I gave it. You know how you leave little claps for things. Anyone who leaves yeah. a super critical remark on one of my blog posts gets the, gets the maximum amount of claps. Max, cl- ten, ten, ten claps. <laughs> Hopefully, you can, you can find that. It's fifty or something. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know where it is. <laughs> it's, look, it's, that's why I only partially remember it because it's not. It's not fucking important. Obviously, the importance of it changes. How dare you talk shit about how long publication time takes? Yeah? Obviously, Mm. that changes when it comes to someone in your department or someone on your hiring committee or someone who knows people that you know who's in your collective community. But, I mean... I don't know. Do you do you make arguments in bad faith, Dan, ever, really? Do you ever go, I think it would be strategically appropriate for me to say this thing? Never in bad faith. It's how that is a lot of investment of thought to think about how it might be seen under a lot of other circumstances. It's also really difficult to presuppose. Mm. You know, it's like something that your granddad told you about liars years and years ago, right? And you go, well, if you tell the truth, then you'll never have to try and fucking remember what story you told. I have a incredibly I have an incredibly scattergun memory. I remember flashbulby sorts of moments and papers sometimes really, really well. When people have got all these adorable stories about their childhood, I can't fucking relate. There's parts of it that I barely remember. I'm interested in like now and the future and the shit that happened last week. Yeah? I don't get the I don't get the being invested in that. So no, it doesn't bother me. I mean, you have obviously have the same attitude towards iTunes comments, and <laughs> <laughs> but some of them are legit hilarious, and some of them are deserved. I mean, I have never chewed gum on a podcast ever again. For instance, <laughs> I had bad breath uh, that day. Look, so if it comes to like, how are you gonna how are you gonna handle this? There's a point in time where I think if you're gonna go forward in a difficult industry, then 
there is a degree to which you have to make your arguments and back yourself. I don't think that it's I don't think that it's healthy to live backfooted when it comes to when it comes to something like this. Yeah? I, I don't mm. think it's uh like uh you know, have you ever worried that someone might say I'd never hire those dudes? Have I ever I mean, I get plenty of worries, but there it it never it never it never makes it through. And I'm certain look, you haven't even really thought about it before the the, the question came yeah. up. And look, never. look part of part of this is us being us. Yeah? I'm sure you can you can wrap up richness and whiteness and and maleness and luck into something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fairly for sure. fairly fairly easy. It's fairly easy to do so. It doesn't it doesn't require you to have a, a, a colossal overarching social conscience to realize that those things are real. But everyone's got the same kind of feelings and appreciations for what they do. Right? And if you're if if you're gonna backfoot it, you may end up being one of those people who's always saying, Ah, oh, look, I'll tell them what I really think when I get a like a, a, a proper job. With proper yeah. benefits, oh, I'll tell them what I think when I get tenured. I'll tell them what I think when I'm head of department and no one can like marginalize me. Oh, I'll tell them what I think when I move to a better institution. Um, I honestly think science is an enterprise. I mean, related to our previous question, I think science as an enterprise has had way too the fuck much of that. Yeah. Mm. And the other thing that's going to happen is if if you say that, people are going to come at you. They're going to have good arguments. I've had my mind changed by people. It's awesome. It's great. Yeah? Well, you like, not only have they got, I've taken the time to engage you in something. You're like, oh, okay. That confers to me a degree of respect. Not go fuck yourself, but here's a counter argument. Oh, someone's, someone's spending time on me. Wow. Okay. Here's a series of words in order, making a statement or a proposition. Nice. Fuck, they might be right. Okay, I think they're more right than I am. Open that shit up. Yeah, you shouldn't be, shouldn't be afraid to be wrong. You shouldn't be seriously. You and you don't, you don't even need to be loud. It just needs to be present. You just need to be identifiable. I don't know. Look, there's there's thousands and thousands of people in funny situations who are working in, in some capacity like us, who don't feel like they have the freedom to move intellectually or otherwise. I'd wish one thing for them, it was that they just had the fucking freedom to say what was on their mind and it could live and die on its merits as much as possible. And if you're a PI and you give out strategic advice about what to say and what not to say and how to structure all this stuff and all this general social paranoia, please recognize that you're part of the problem. I mean, I don't know how many PIs listen to this. Probably three, and they're probably. all prob they're all probably they're all probably <laughs> nodding in agreement. Wide wide eyed uh, wide eyed revolutionaries to begin with. I love all of you. Um. I don't know, man. I think the well is finally dry now. I don't want to. I don't turn this too much into a tirade, as much as that is what you pay me for. Um, don't, don't let it have your thoughts. They're yours. 
I think you'll I think you'll do just fine. And you're allowed to be wrong. You're allowed to be wrong. Get out there and be fucking wrong a bit. I'm gonna go off and be wrong right now. On that note, we'll uh, truly wrap up. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back again in two weeks with a new episode of Everything Hurts. Yes, we will. Remember, you're all beautiful.